Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Freedom Talks. This is your host, Brady, and today I am joined by Trenton, Raymond, and Michael Ledoux from Fitness Together. And today we're going to talk a little bit about personal training and kind of the connection we have with personal trainers in the area. Um, and so we're going to get to know Mike and, and what Fitness Together is all about. So how are you guys doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks, Brady. Doing great. Appreciate it. Perfect. Um, so I guess, Mike, could you just kind of introduce yourself and um, tell us about Fitness Together and, and the company and kind of what you do and uh, give us just a little bit of background? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm Director of Operations for Fitness Together, and I've been doing personal training for about 11, 12 years now. Uh, my role with them is to client relations, uh, team management, and then also um, building systems so then we can have accountability for the clients and then the trainers, um, which is especially built um, big in the personal training world uh, with that. So the big thing with our fitness together is the private one-on-one -on -one personal training. Uh, so it's not that shark world mentality of you're in a gym, big box gym, and you're being trained and everyone can kind of see you. Uh, so it's definitely that one-on-one -on -one approach. We have our own private personal rooms. Um, all of my staff have either four-year degrees or national certifications. And then the average um, trainer we have there is plus five years, which is pretty unheard of in the personal training uh, world. Uh, a lot of times the turnover is like six months for trainers. Uh, so we have a definitely a high uh, retention rate for our trainers. Do you, uh, just off the top of your head, have any ideas for what that the reason might be for that high retention rate? Yeah, it's definitely um, the atmosphere that we build with it right off the front when we hire our trainers is the career approach where um, you can have a career out of this, you can have a family and everything. Because a lot of times when you hear a personal trainer, you think, I'm just going to do this till I find something uh, better. And then also the relationships we have with our clients. Uh, like a personal note at my wedding, I had uh, 22 clients at my wedding. Um, and, we're, and just in frame of reference, my wedding was only like 160 people. So a good amount uh, was there, especially being in the military. I have a lot of guys too. So having that chunk was a pretty good thing. So That's crazy. Um, and so how did, uh, how did you meet Trenton? Uh, through Kevin, uh, I know they've done a couple events together. So, um, we're always looking to work with, um, part trusted partners, especially, uh, physical therapy is especially important just because when you hear the term personal trainer, the connotation for it usually is that drill sergeant kind of just make them sweat type of deal. And we're definitely a more approach where, with our education, with our four-year degrees, our certifications, we can work around injuries. We do a lot of pre and post physical therapy. Uh, so what's nice about that is just that we're able to, when we have trusted partners then we can bounce ideas off each other and work as a team, uh, where typically with personal trainers, um, a lot of doctors and physical therapists don't want to go near them because they're like, oh, they're just going to hurt my clients or patients. So yeah, I think from like a company standpoint, it sounds like we share a lot of the, the same, I don't know, the same ideas about how to approach either a client or a patient, depending on which case and if they're in PT or not, and uh, just that one-on-one -on -one mentality. So uh, Trenton, can you kind of explain from Freedom's point of view, like why do we train, why we kind of have a one-on-one -on -one approach? Um, and why we would appreciate a personal training partner that also shares that approach. Yeah, so that exact concept is what Kevin and I uh, kind of bonded over when we first uh, were introduced. So we met through the Brookfield Chamber, and uh, I had given my spiel about freedom, and I worked there, and we're providing one-on-one -on -one care. And I think that kind of, you know, lit up some some lights, and he walked over, and we talked after. So the big thing for us at Freedom is, um, you know, kind of like what Mike was saying, our staff is very specialized and that, that skill is best utilized with individualized care for longer periods of time, not running around and, you know, being focused on multiple things, but really taking the time to get to know the patient, utilize your skills, both manual and exercise, and really um, diagnose them properly 
and although you know it takes more time and effort the outcomes speak for themselves so i think kevin and i've definitely bonded over that so when he came over and uh kind of toured the clinic in brookfield and was sharing with me what fitness together's um like whole concept and vision was it, it just basically mirrored what we do so it was a very simple transition to say so you know when we're done rehabbing somebody and they come see you they're going to also get one-on-one care and he's like exactly so and so I think this transitions really nicely into kind of something I think you both can take me through that you know someone kind of views maybe they're in personal training and whether that be through sport or life or you know tweaking something and training whatever that may be Um, I think some patients view as like, I have an injury, I shouldn't do anything and I should maybe cease movement. And I think that's kind of the exact opposite approach. Maybe both of you would take. So, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth so you can explain, but could you kind of take me through somebody that's kind of in that pre PT before injury, um, some kind of injury occurs, whether that be catastrophic or not catastrophic. Um, and then the process through physical therapy, back into training and back into life, um, kind of how do you guys mesh together and how do you see like the ideal recovery and return to personal training for a patient? So Mike, I'll, I'll let you kind of start on this one. Okay. Um, so what we, the first thing we would do is obviously get to the bottom of what the injury was. Um, a lot of times in the personal training world, people are guessing and trying to figure out so we'd want to figure out okay exactly where is it uh, coming from so we'd have to get notice from like a PT uh, from there and then after that uh, we want to get them off the mindset of like they can't do anything because obviously there's other muscle groups we can work around um, and get them to that healthy lifestyle that they're trying to achieve so what works really well is okay if we can figure out exactly what's wrong with it then with the education we have we can work around it Um, So if it's an upper body injury, then there's still lower body movements and especially core that we can work with. And then the notes that we take um, that are easily transferable to the PT side, we can definitely do that. Um, So it's just really nice to be able to work around those said injuries. And then doing the pre part of the physical therapy is just saying, okay, this is where I think you do need to get this um, worked on so then you can come back to us and then we can keep knocking off their goals because we're very goal oriented so whatever the client wants to accomplish as long as it's reasonable that's our main job yeah <clears throat> well said mike I, I agree with a ton of that um from a physical therapy standpoint you know because mike answers that from his you know the the trainer standpoint of if our client gets injured you know, from a PT standpoint, let's say I didn't know they were training or it was just, they weren't doing PT or training and they were just injured in the community. You know, the steps we definitely take in the beginning, having direct access available to us in Wisconsin, people can come and see PT first. Um, Now, after our exam, if there's something catastrophic, we're going to absolutely refer them to see a physician or get imaging or whatever. But let's say it's a typical orthopedic issue you know, the first steps is get it treated and diagnosed. But a great point that Mike touched on, which is another conversation he and I have had and I've had with Kevin is that injuries typically are associated with fear of movement when in reality, you need to move to get better. And what he was talking about is that utilizing other muscle groups away from the injury site is critically important and often missed. So I love that fitness together is very aware, like, Hey, if I don't know if our shoulder goals are going to get met this week because you had a shoulder injury, but we can still approach you as a client saying, Hey, your core, your legs, your cardio can still be trained and be worked on knowing that, you know, the PT is kind of focusing on that shoulder, getting you back to a point where that we can take back over um, and finish the goals. So that's kind of how that transition works nicely is, you know, our PT focus is getting back to a comfortable, healthy level where they can train and then they just take off running. Just curious, Trenton, have you ever, um, like reached out to a a personal trainer if someone's working with somebody and had, had them, uh, be aware of the home exercise program? Because I, I know like it's kind of like 
edging on ridiculous how little some of the home ex- exercise programs get followed by some patients where it's like, <clears throat> this, look, you'd really benefit from doing your home exercise program. Maybe you should tell your PT some of these exercises or give them this program to at least take you through it kind of thing. I definitely mentioned that if it's a critical exercise, I think that needs to be done. Gotcha. You know, so if it's a very specific thing and I know they're still going to be working on the injured tissue, I absolutely say it. A lot of times by the time they're going to training, they've in quotes graduated Gotcha. the rehab exercises. So they're ready to go with whatever the trainer needs to take them through. But um, a version of communication that happened last week is, and I'll try to get too technical, but basically there was bicep weakness and one of the nerves that innervates that tissue, it looked like that was the issue, not just that it needed to be strengthened. So I did call up the trainer and say, I think this is more of a neurologic issue versus just atrophy or strengthening. Um, So there was definitely that communication on what to kind of focus on. But for the most part, you know, once they get to the training level, I mean, we trust, like Mike said, the people at Fitness Together know what they're doing. And, um, you know, we can safely assume they're not being overtrained or put into a position where they're going to re-injure it. So, um, you know, kind of continuing on this, like, communication between PTs and personal trainers and, and things like that. Um, could each of you share a piece of knowledge that you wish the other profession knew, or maybe it's not even a piece of knowledge. Maybe it's just something you wish the other profession did more, you know, even if it's not, you know, freedom specifically, or if it's not fitness together specifically, like what a Trenton to you kind of the personal training industry. And then Michael to the physical therapy profession, um, what, what is something you wish the others, the other did or knew? Yeah. Mike, do you want to take this one? Otherwise I can. Yeah, no, I can start. I would say the biggest thing would just be, um, the knowledge of what specifically fitness together and our type quality of trainers can do. Um, I kind of talked with the previous connotation, like we're able to do the pre and post physical therapy. Um, and to have, that trust because a lot of times especially in the personal training just like any industry you have really good physical therapists and you have some absolutely terrible ones um so just kind of where the physical therapy world knew more about us that um how will we do in that aspect from working through either post and pre-physical therapy or kind of working through um injuries and that's just something that with the personal training world it's such a variant where you have your at home people doing it online, virtually just trying to make a quick buck to your career, 10 and 12 year kind of people. So it's just, a, it's a huge variation compared to a lot of other fields. So just having that knowledge out there and having that trust is the biggest thing. So Mike, just to follow up quickly on that, um, like what are a few uh, traits or qualifications or things to do for a physical therapist or an occupational therapist when they're looking for somewhere to maybe send someone if they're asking for personal training recommendations? Uh, The first thing I would always look for, even if it's not with us, is that one-on-one experience. Uh, In the bigger settings, it's too hard to get exactly what you want out of the, uh, the workouts because either you're waiting for machines or it might be the right and the client is not as comfortable to do set exercises. They might either be trying too hard or trying too little. Um, and that's a whole different topic to kind of go into. And then also having the years of experience, um, underneath at one location, I would say if you have years of experience, like where they're hopping all over, well, there's a reason they were hopping all over. So every time I, even if I have clients that move away from us, I get this question all the time. Well, what type of trainer should I look for? And I'll say, okay, look for these top four certifications and then look for years experience at specific place. That's the answer. No, no, that's perfect. Uh, and then Trenton kind of from your standpoint, what would you say? Yeah, I kind of, I have, you know, just off the you know top of my head, I have two kinds of things that I lean towards. So the first would be, if I'm sending a patient to a trainer, I would really hope their profession. And again, like Mike said, this isn't specifically fitness together. It's just what I'm hoping my patients are receiving on, you know, the training end is 
<clears throat> the importance of assessing or watching for compensations during exercise. So I just feel so many times people feel they can do these, like a, a great bench press with a ton of weight, but they're compensating in certain ways that eventually will lead to breakdown, even if it doesn't hurt right then. So the one-on-one -on -one care is so important because you get that individual attention and you can be watched for those things. If you're not one-on-one -on -one treatment, if you're not, you know, you know, being paid attention to by somebody who knows what to look for, <clears throat> you're probably strengthening a poor pattern that will eventually lead to breakdown. So I think just the, the importance of compensations and compensatory movement patterns is something I wish all trainers knew. <clears throat> and then from what I wish they knew about us, if, if somebody hasn't gone through PT, a physical therapy, they probably don't understand the depth of knowledge and education provided and the depth of a diagnosis provided. So I think it's really important to know that if people shouldn't be guessing about what they think an injury is, they should see a PT before they continue to train through pain. Um, and, and we provide that deep assessment so that you're actually targeting the right tissue and avoiding things that need to be avoided. So those two things are really important to us. Um, so one of the things I think from both a physical therapy and personal training perspective that I think you both could really give insight to is like how people spend their money and kind of the value that is, it's kind of funny where some people uh, choose to put their money. Um, I think especially you see this in like January with the new year's resolutions and everything where everybody will kit themselves out with the brand new shoes and, and brand new um, tank top and shorts and whatever it is. Um, but they're maybe less likely to spend on a one-on-one -on -one personal trainer, which might be more money than a gym membership, but how much more value could they garner from that instead of kind of splurging on some of those other items? Um, and so could you kind of, both of you take me through the value proposition of, you know, physical therapy and personal training? Mike, let's start with you. Yeah. So the big thing that you see right now, especially it's kind of died down a little bit, but January and February is your uh, quick buck trying to get the New Year's resolution people in. So your $10 a month, your free membership stuff, stuff like that, um, which we don't really do too much competition with because those aren't looking for um, serious results or they're mostly kind of looking like, yep, this is what I want to kind of do, but they don't have the complete resolve that they want to actually come do that. Uh, so the value with us is always that we are completely results driven. Uh, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't the case for that. So when I meet with um, prospective clients and everything like that, we go over their goals very in depth. Um, nutrition with um, their cardio strength, balance, everything with that. And we figure, okay, the goals that you want, are they going to be able to accomplish? And then what kind of time frame are we looking at? Uh, so right now what we're seeing a lot of, and I've seen it for the last 10 years is usually after the first rush of the January, February people are like, you know what, my, I never went to the gym. Um, I only went once or twice a month. I don't have that average with me, but I believe it used to be a couple of years ago where 12% of um, for their bigger box gyms were actually going more than three times a month, which is, crazy staggering but uh with that what we see is when people are like you know what i've tried this i've tried this that's when we usually see them or when they're ready to actually go after the results and then you bring a back point for the value um with personal training is a lot of times when we have prospective clients they they see the amount and right away they're like i can't believe that's how much it is but then once they see the results they're like oh i can't believe how low it is so it's one of those things, unfortunately, they don't see the value until they actually accomplish their goals or they have family or friends that see the goals. We do a good job with the consultations, but um, especially during COVID and a lot of other things, people weren't didn't really want to spend the money to do it. So we had to just do a better job of showing the value and showing, okay, if you do all these things, um, healthcare down the line can be cheaper your grocery bills can be cheaper, stuff like that, because you're actually buying not just crazy amounts of food and stuff like that. 
Um, and you're able to live a healthier lifestyle and do the things that you want to be able to do with that. So. so, so then, yeah, I think, I think we kind of just in the physical therapy business kind of get the, the same kind of sometimes sticker shock, I guess, we, not everybody, but some people in terms of healthcare. Um, but I think, you know, Trenton, you can elaborate a little bit on this, but we, we are, a in general, a much cheaper alternative, um, especially through conservative care than, you know, surgeries or other, uh, treatment options. So Trenton, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Well, yeah, I would, I would say, um, a big part of physical therapy and training is you're going to get results down the line. So you have to get buy-in up front. And that's not as easy as selling them shoes or a t-shirt. You know, like when you talked about apparel at the beginning of the year, Hey, I feel like I look good and I feel good, but really, you know, true strength gains actually take four to six weeks to start to gain hypertrophy and muscle tissue. So if you don't do something, you know, consistently for that time, you're really not getting the long-term gain anyways. So it's hard to get that buy-in up front, but you know, with enough education, you can tell people. Yep. Um, but I think a lot of people, it's effort. So they're, they're paying to work, which is kind of hard to convince people to do when it's easier to take a pill or buy some shoes or get a surgery. But I tell, I try and convince people and educate them on the importance of, you know, this, you need to consider the money you're spending now as an investment in your body. You would invest in your retirement. You'd invest in new golf clubs. You can invest in new running shoes. Why wouldn't you invest in yourself? And that investment in yourself is going to save you money down the line because you probably won't need a surgery. Or, you know, like Mike was saying, you probably won't have a lot of those health issues or cravings for foods or, you know, like these self-esteem issues because you're not meeting your goals. So that upfront investment pays dividends down the line. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind kind of goes both ways, kind of the same deal almost for both personal training and physical therapy. So Mike, uh, you know, speaking of goals and uh, could you just take me through some of the different goals and maybe even some goals that people aren't even thinking of when they come in and, you know, they're like, I just want to look a little bit better naked kind of thing rather than, you know, lose a few pounds, whatever it is. Um, like maybe what are some goals that people don't realize that are actually goals that they have, but they haven't realized them yet. And when they do realize it, how do you help them achieve those goals? Yeah, definitely. So the first thing that we always do, and I've taught my staff this for a long time was one of the first questions we asked them is what made you walk up those stairs or what made you walk through those doors Cause I know that's a hard thing. Calling's easy. Texting's easy. Emailing is easy, but actually making walking through those doors and sitting down because you're definitely going and you're kind of saying like, there's something wrong with me when there actually probably isn't it's just things that we can improve on and to help better your lifestyle. So when they sit down with one of us, we always say, what got you through those doors? And it's usually like you made a great point with like either look better naked or, um, self-esteem issues or weight loss, uh, or, um, if our weight gain, when if, especially they're on the smaller side and want to look like a little bit, um, bigger and put on muscle just because they're always like tired, um, or for weddings and stuff like that. That's a big season for us right now too. Um, my favorite ones are always wanting to pick up the grandkids and play with the kids just because you don't really think of that. And then when we walk through, so I'll use uh, the grandkids thing as an example is, okay, well, what do you want to be able to do with your grandkids? They're like, well, I want to be able to get on and off the floor with them. I'm like, all right, well, we need to work on the core strength, hip flexor strength, hip flexor flexibility, stuff like that. And they're like, oh yeah, that'd be great. So then the next time that they pick up their kids, they're not just like completely bending over, they're squatting down to do it or getting on and off the ground is pretty easy to do. Uh, so we always try to like walk them through and we always look for the three goals with them. So even if it's just like, I want to lose weight, well, okay. Why do you want to lose weight? Is it, do you want to have more endurance? Maybe there's like 
they want to complete like a 5k walk or a 5k run. So we always try to get more goals out of them. Cause if you only have one goal in place, you lose sight of it. So say you don't hit the goal right away in that first six weeks. Well, we're almost there, but Hey, you hit these two kind of goals here. So it helps, it helps embody them to make them feel better about themselves, but then also that they have other things to look forward to. And then, usually after the first six to eight weeks, we always see more goals added on. Like, you know what? I want to be able to shovel without like my back hurting. So we work on core and then it just, we're always developing more and more goals from it. So. Um, so then, you know, you had mentioned a little bit earlier uh, about the virtual training and kind of, you know, we're, we're kind of hopefully you cross our fingers getting out of some of this COVID stuff. Um, but I'm sure virtual training has played a little bit of a role in what you've done. And you kind of mentioned there's good and bad personal trainers. There's good and bad virtual training as well, I'm sure. So can you kind of explain how that has experience has kind of gone for your company and, and you and your trainers? Yeah, definitely. It has an experience is a great word to say it. <laughs> um, what's crazy about it is we actually started doing uh, virtual training a little bit beforehand and the real reason we've perfected it to a point now but the real reason was we had clients that were uh, traveling they were in their hotel rooms or they were doing the snowbirds and I was getting um, I wouldn't say tired but like basically they come back and they lose the progress that they had for the couple of months because I'm sure as Dr. Trenton know no one ever does their at-home exercises or whatever you tell them to do um, from at home. So the fact that we were able to like either do check-ins virtually or put them through some maintenance programs. So when they came back, they weren't starting to square one because you can see the look of defeat in those people's faces when they come back and they're like, um, I lost all this progress. And then from the virtual side, we really wanted to tweak it. We didn't want to be your typical virtual trainer where you're just basically standing there watching them and trying to like put them through a workout um what we want to be able to do is okay what do you have at home what can we use um we had clients that were picking up paint pails and just walking them around the house as like a farmer's walk and then we had and stuff that they didn't even think they could use i was like well you have a roller there why don't we use this roller for some hammer bicep curls like just thinking outside the box because a lot of times, especially during COVID, at-home equipment was outrageous. Yes. So we're like, okay, how can we figure out ways, stuff that you have at home, how can we do workouts with that? If it was inside or outside, if there's some rocks just to like kind of work on, do hip ups off of the ground, doing bridges, just anything we could use to help them. And then what we would do is from our company standpoint, we would reward them by sending them either bands or stuff like, you know what, you're ready for this. We're going to send it to you or drop off at their house and stuff like that. Cause sometimes it wasn't game there exactly when I wanted it to be. So <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, so no, it's definitely been an experience. That was a great way to say it. And uh, you, you know, you, I think you mentioned something that I think that was really big for a lot of people, but it's like, even, when those people aren't able to come in just those like progress checks to kind of, you know, you don't want to shame anybody into doing anything, but you know, if they're reminded of it because they have a weekly progress check and you're like, Hey, have you been doing your workouts? I'm sure that's, that even was probably a little bit of a motivation for them. Yeah. I've, uh, I've shown up at people's works before, like if they work <laughs> at a hotel or stuff like that. So I've definitely been known to being like, Hey, what's going on? So that's great. At least, hey, at least they're going to accomplish a goal because they know you're coming after them. <laughs> yeah. A couple of my patients that have sent your guys' way, like their eyes lit up when they said they'd have their own room with you. So, yeah, yeah Mike, just like, go ahead and, and tell us a little bit about, um, you know, more of the layout. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, like, one of the big reasons why uh, clients don't like working in the bigger box gyms is, just because of, like I said, everyone's kind of always looking at them. You have your trainers that are talking to like friends or clients or whatever. So what we have at Fitness Together, the layout that we have is as soon as you walk in, you have your uh, front desk area with our cardio equipment. And this is at both of our locations. 
uh, that kind of brings them in with, okay, like lets them know you're going to do a little bit of warm up before you hit the rooms. Um, and then each of our rooms have our own set of equipment. So they always have the functional trainer, your squat rack, uh, your free weights, your bands, everything. So everything is completely in the room. So it's a lot more efficient workouts that normally could take an hour and a half because you're waiting for clients or you're, you're not waiting for clients. You're waiting for another person or you're not really getting your walk around the gym can all be done in our 45 minute period. So the fact that it's just you and the trainer in the room has been hugely um, successful with when it comes to efficiency, but then when it also comes to getting everything you need to be done. And then it also allows with the privacy aspect is clients can open up a little bit more, especially a little bit more uh, freedom of movement and actually getting closer to their ideal uh, range when it comes to their either their strength or just their kind of perceived exertion. A lot of times you see in the gyms where um, I'm going to use your typical example where you see a guy benching 225 and then you have a guy that might be a little bit smaller than him and he's going to be like, you know what, I can do that. And then he just wrecks his shoulder. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I've seen, yeah. it, I see it all the time. So with this is you actually have people that are going to be truer to themselves and doing what they can actually do when it comes to either your, your squats, your, your, your presses and stuff like that, where normally they might want to try to go above and beyond because they see someone that looks similar to them, or they want to do an exercise because they're like, you know what, that person looks out of shape. I should be able to do this. And then they just hurt themselves. So what I, I see it all the time with our clients is they're more true to themselves when it comes to what they're able to do. And then they're even more surprised, like, oh, I didn't even think I could do that. Like, I had a client where he um, did a deadlift of uh, two, 265, and he never would have imagined he could do it, even though I had to harp on him for, like, almost a year that he'd be able to do it. But just kind of giving him more out of their comfort zone is a huge aspect of us. And then, and then oh, go ahead, Mike, I just wanted to add to that, and you can definitely correct me if I'm wrong here, but one thing I have been educating my patients on that I think are ready to come see you guys. Um, a lot of their goals and, and I'll just echo this cause you were talking about it, but you guys are huge on like individualized personal goals. And sometimes those are private, you know, like, you know, if it's getting intimate with a loved one or like the, like Brady, you said, I just want to look better naked. You know, these aren't things you're going to necessarily want to talk about in a gym where people can overhear it. So I've got some patients who are a little bit more self-conscious and I'll say, Hey, this is something you're one-on-one in a room. You know, your goals are going to be met, but you can, you can talk to them and refer back to them and motivate yourself with these things without the pressures of a gym or somebody overhearing that maybe this has to do with like a women's health issue, you know, or or anything in those topics that might be a little bit more sensitive. Yeah. What's been nice with us is we have that private consultation room. Um, We have heard like, you name it, kind of all the different types of goals and having those individual goals and making sure that they don't feel self-conscious about saying those goals, mm-hmm. um, especially when it says the look better naked or uh, my significant other has lost a bunch of weight, looks great. And now I just feel not, I don't feel like I'm attracted to him or her anymore. So we always try to break down and make the clients feel comfortable. And I think they do feel comfortable because they see that level of um, the education they had, see the trainer bios on the wall and they get Mm -hmm. to know us. Um, I wouldn't say right off the bat, we know right away, but for sure, after that first, um, assessment, after they do our Staiku, um, our 3d assessment of themselves, they can kind of be like, you know what, I'm even more and more ready to feel better. So, right. That's awesome. And I think you mentioned a little bit in that conversation, but I, I would say, could you kind of describe the clientele that you're normally seeing Mike in terms of like you know it is it general population most of the time is it older younger all over the place what would you say I would say it depends on um our area just because Tosa and Brookfield are a little bit different um just like I think any business would be so with our both locations, I would say it's definitely more towards the general population. We don't do too much with the 
division one kind of athletics stuff like that just because we don't have the equipment for it um but we can get um if you're talking more on the athletic side maybe kids that want to get better with um their general like either flexibility core strength um more education so then they can do those actual lifts um and then for the general population side we have clients as young as 16 all the way up to 93 um, but I would say our core demographic between the two studios are your 30 to uh, 65 year olds kind of they were maybe once in shape or they want to get back in shape or they have significant life events, which is huge for us. You have your weddings, um, your divorces, you um, post postpartum with having kids trying to get back into shape or now the kids are out of um out of the house and you're ready to hit those retirement goals of wanting to do these big trips and uh travel and all that so it's always cool to see the different life events but that's usually what triggers a lot of our clients are the life events you know as we kind of you know move through this conversation i think one of the the last things i want to touch on maybe before we do uh, some golf conversation if we have time um but you know at Freedom, we have kind of a, our marketing team is kind of focused on doing a lot of social media stuff, doing a lot of patient education um, through the, our various, you know, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all of those social media accounts. And I think some of the in the fitness sphere, social media has really grown, especially over the past five, six years. Um, and there are some very you know popular influencers. And it seems like anybody can have a opinion, um, or a way to do things and really have any platform they want to get out what they think or they want to sell or whatever they do. And, you know, I think there's good and bad, but can you guys both kind of share some of the good and bad things you've seen on social media and, um, kind of how you view social media and, and how it's kind of, blown up the fitness industry a little bit i would definitely agree with the good and bad um with the social media and the fitness i'd say obviously during COVID, it completely exploded um before that yeah you had everyone that kind of had an opinion on different exercises on how to do different things either what worked for them and unfortunately a lot of times people try to do a blanket approach when it comes to exercise uh so the good and bad we see the good I would say is that we're getting more towards where more and more people are wanting to be fit, wanting to be in shape, wanting to be healthy. We were in this weird time frame where it was okay to be like completely obese and stuff like that, which it's not good from health standpoint. Um, and it kind of showed with during COVID with the, if you were working out and healthier and everything like that, you didn't have as much of the, covid side effects and didn't hit you as hard with the comorbidities so it brought more into light that they were able to work out especially being at home but the downside effect was people would just kind of tune in and they would do exercises without having like form checks or anything like that so then they were getting hurt and then of course i don't know how it was on the physical therapy side but it was with all the shutdowns and everything it was maybe hard again we had clients were like well i can't see my PT because either they're closed or um, not able to when they were trying to do different exercises. So I saw a lot of injuries from, it wasn't our clients, but it was like the clients, like kids or their families that were getting hurt from like trying these new Instagram workouts and stuff like that. And the big thing from that we took is, okay, that's fine if you want to do stuff like that but just make sure you're doing it properly and either you are educated on the form of the exercise or you're seeking someone out because no one wants to just keep getting hurt and hurt over these things so what we were trying to look for was okay if you're going to do these social media things if you're going to follow these online workouts like you're doing with your kids how about you don't do the jumping? You don't do the jumping jacks because we haven't really trained for that. But yeah, let's go for the planks. Let's go for um, the squats. And if you're going to do squats, do it this way kind of thing. So that's where I've seen the good and bad with social media. Um, and then our, our end, what we just try to do is more of the education piece with our workout Wednesdays 
Um, and many times I do talks is more on the education side and not at the work outside of putting clients through workouts because our job isn't to put out a product to hurt people or to get fame from it. It's to educate so we can help those clients accomplish those goals. And Both I think, yeah, no. And I think a little bit what I'm hearing too, is it always comes back to that one-on-one ability that you guys have, um, to tailor, right? Like, just like you said, like, Hey, you're in your late fifties and we just started six weeks ago. Maybe those box jumps aren't for you, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, and then Trenton, I mean, there's a lot of physical therapy and chiropractic and, you know, self mobilization and self stretches. And you see all the chiros on TikTok trying to teach how to crack yourself, um, you know, is there good and bad? I'm sure there's good and bad there too, but I mean, how do you kind of view trying to separate and, you know, have you gotten any patients ever coming in saying like, Hey, I saw this on TikTok. What do you think about this? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's obviously pros and cons and everyone's got different opinions on it. I don't exactly know if there's tons of research to support a ton of my claims here, but so I like, because there are some social media platforms of like both freedom and fitness together, but then some other like therapists that I follow on Instagram and I like their videos, but Mike hit the nail on the head. Like it's an education tool. It's not, I personally don't believe it should be necessarily like these sales pitches. So I think there's a big difference between saying, Hey, have you ever been told you have back pain? Try these three stretches. Just just hit a larger audience, get people moving and help them with some of the basics versus some posts that say like in big letters cure your back pain instantly try you know so these grandiose claims and sales pitches versus this education of hey start here and if it's not working maybe we can help you i think there's a big difference in what the message you're sending um but then the other thing is exactly right with the one-on-one care and i mentioned it earlier one of the biggest things for me is compensatory movement patterns, poor form leading to breakdown. If, you know, if you hit this large audience with, you know, this perfect set of exercises that cures pain and they're doing it wrong, you might make things worse or not all back pain is the same. You know, a a herniated disc does not respond the same as, you know, a strained back muscle or like a central stenosis. So it's it's just, you're going to have different (laughs) people who have individual injuries trying to do this, you know, this message that's for the masses and and it might hurt some people. So I've seen people come into the clinic who have tried the online, you know, like the social media platform things and actually made things worse. What I'm missing is maybe people aren't coming in because they're doing better because of them. (laughs) So I, I I think there's value. There is definitely value for hitting a large audience, but man, when somebody comes in with something that does not respond to flexion, and all they're doing is bending forward. I get a little cringed up, <laughs> but that, that's kind of a con to it. Yeah. And it, right. It's, it all comes back down to, to knowledge. I think to like how much personal knowledge do you have about whatever you're doing and can you parse out that good from bad information? And so reaching out to somebody like fitness together, freedom, um, to maybe ask before you try some of those crazy things and get an informed opinion from right. Like Mike, who's, who's been in the industry for so long and mm-hmm. uh, Trenton, who's been a physical therapist for however long and or just finding someone with more knowledge than you about, about that, especially because they did a lot of research in school and <laughs> went through a lot of training to get where they are. Uh, and maybe, you know, the general public probably hasn't, uh, had that experience is my guess, even though yeah. a lot of them might tell you they do. Do you guys still have time and want to talk about the golfing side of things? Yeah, I'm all set. Okay. All right. So then I guess let's just dive in a little bit into, um, a little bit of golf. Uh, so for those that don't know, Trenton is a golf specialist at freedom. Um, he is, um, well, Trenton, I'll let you kind of explain your golfing certifications and, and how you kind of interact with golfers. Sure. Uh, well, it started with my residency 
my so I'm I have a second board certification as an orthopedic specialist um, in physical therapy, and part of the process of obtaining that was completing a residency through UW Madison, and that was not specifically golf specific like certification, but that's where we got a lot of higher level mentoring in um, uh, like sports type injuries, sports type rehab. And it definitely dove into like the golf biomechanics, at least introducing it. And I loved it so much that I continued my education. So now I'm certified through the Titleist Performance Institute. Um, and so that's, that's not a board certification, but it is, it's just an extra, uh, you know, you take these classes and you, you're certified through the company. So I'm a TPI provider now. And um, so basically what that means is we, take people with golf related injuries or golfers with other injuries or pre-injury and take them through a screening process to identify biomechanical errors that could or are leading to their deficits. So I don't do anything with swing coaching. Like I'm not a golf pro. Um, so I'm not telling people exactly how to swing or like swing mechanics. What we do is we identify potential flaws in the system that might be leading to breakdown or leading to issues that they're having with their golf pro uh, that's limiting their ability to kind of progress or, or achieve whatever the pros asking them to do. And then um, how, I guess, just how is the relationship between fitness together and the golf related wellness that um, Mike, you guys do over at your place? Yeah. So what we do more for like the golf related side is um, we always start off by saying that what we're doing is more the biomechanics of the golf. So getting your, um, the core strength, hip flexors, shoulder mobility, all those things kind of in place. And then also working on what are your goals with golf? So maybe it might be as small as you want to be able to walk the course with the bag and feel great about yourself, or it's actually, you want to improve your game. So what we do is we try to piece together, okay, like what can we, what's kind of preventing you um, from having either a full swing or what's preventing you um, from doing uh, different types of chips and stuff like that. So what we do is when we have our evaluation, we just try to point out, okay, what, what factors preventing you from doing said swings? And then we work on it. Now we don't actually work on the swing, but it's more the biomechanics of the swing when it comes to flexibility, uh, strength, and then of course, um, just general fatigue. So, yeah. So then I, I mean, from, uh, you know, I don't really follow golf all that much, but I kind of see the headlines and things like that. So I guess, uh, has, has anybody come to either of you and kind of been like, I want to be taken through the Bryson DeChambeau training regimen. I want to, I want to, I want to gain 80 pounds and add 150 yards onto my drive kind of thing. Uh, yeah, actually we've had people where, cause now it's, it's become more and more known that um, pretty much all of your professional golfers have personal trainers with them, private chefs, a tiger woods broke the mold with all that. So now you have all these, um, golfers that are like, wait, I can't just have a beer at every hole. I actually need to be somewhat into shape. So what they do with that is they're like, okay, I want to be able to, uh, increase it, my game, increase my drive. So what we do is, okay, like what's preventing you from increasing the drive. And a lot of times it's that it's your hip flexors and just your upper body strength and your, um, hamstring and, um, glute strength that's preventing you from getting that full swing through. And of course, that's one of the easiest things where we actually get clients to listen to us is, yeah, I was driving like 175 and now I'm getting closer to the 250, 260s. And then they start buying in more uh, with, hey, you should actually do these stretches because a lot of times when you talk about with clients and at the golf course, it's, well, we're going to hit the, the bar first, have some drinks and then go play golf. And I'm like, well, are you stretching afterwards? And they're like, well, why would I do that? And like, well, the professionals are doing it. You don't see them besides John Daly, like <laughs> slamming beers after they play. So he, he's still doing it with the best of them. Yeah. He's killing it. So. He is. <laughs> 
so I, I mean, I guess from both of your perspectives, like what are like, if, if you give two pieces of, of advice, Trenton from your side and then Mike from your side, um, on golfers that, that want to get better or improve or feel better when they golf kind of, how would you, uh, what would you give? My first bit of advice is kind of what I was touching on before with the apparel and getting people use some of that money that you were going to buy the new driver with and see somebody in the health profession first. It's very likely, I see it quite often, that it's not the driver that's the problem. It's maybe the one using the driver. So improving your biomechanics, like, you know, $400 of you know, personal training or physical therapy, whatever the case could go a long, long way, you know, versus that driver that might suck after the first day, you know, so I would say the first advice I would give is maybe look inward and say, maybe it's, I should invest in my body first so I can use the clubs I already have. You know, that's a big one for me. Um, I think the second bit of advice is just to remember that, um, you know, it's not normal to be hurting when you golf. So many people tell me how they, one of my patients shared with me that they compare injuries, not golf scores at the ends of their rounds. <laughs> so that's not normal. And he's like, yeah, it's just so no- common around the course. And I'm like, that's when you should go see somebody. But those minor aches and pains become so normal and or so, uh, you know, like almost perceived as normal, but they're not, they, they shouldn't be there. And then Mike, how about you? Yeah, definitely. I would uh, say, especially with uh, the golfers is obviously looking more into yourself, into the health. Cause I get it all the time where clients tell me how much they spent on a driver instead of clubs. And I'm like, or you could have just done all that money with um, doing sessions and stuff like that. But in all honesty, it's usually just, okay, what are you doing when you get to the course? So are you just going right there? Are you hitting the putting range? So I say, make sure you're stretching out doing some type of light exercises just to get the body warmed up a little bit, especially in Wisconsin where you're just wanting to get those muscles warmed up. And then afterwards kind of doing some stretches as well, like maybe just spending five or 10 minutes. Um, and we show them stretches with their clubs that they can do before you go into the clubhouse and have the drinks. And of course, then we tell them to actually eat something healthy when they're in the clubhouse, which is hard to do. Um, and then lastly is taking like, Dr. Trent talked about is actually taking care of yourself. So if you have those like back tightness, we'll maybe do some rolling out of the back room, doing some massage with the massage guns and therapy guns, just doing something to help. And then if it gets worse and worse, actually see someone about it. Cause I hear it all the time where like, Oh, my back is tight. That's why I can't swing. Well, why don't you do something about it? Like instead of buying the new set of clubs, because nine times out of 10, it's not the driver or the set of clubs that are, um, I've seen some of the best golfers have clubs that they've had for like five, 10 years. And it's just because they know it's not bad. So, and then I'm just kind of curious from both of your perspectives, kind of like we talked a little bit about, you know, Bryson and and all the training he's doing all that rotational training. Um, it seems like all, a lot of that rotational training is becoming more and more sports specific, um, and do you guys have any thoughts on, on that trend of, um, kind of training in that plane? And maybe that's something that's been ignored over the past, you know, you know, prior to this new era. Well, from my perspective, you know, it's because it's, I'll call it relatively new to becoming popular. Yeah. Um, it's hard to necessarily make a ton of big comments on it. I think it's growing and we'll see how it plays out. But when a guy gets his swing, his ball speed over 200, you know, and he's, his swing speed is cranking up there. It's hard to argue with that. You know, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't advocate that your average golfer go start doing that. They're going to hurt themselves. But if you're looking to top down from the pros to college, to even high school, it's looking pretty effective. And what do you think about, do you have any kind of idea on what you think might happen in, you know, a few years with those guys, like long-term health-wise? See, that's the part. I didn't want to speculate and say it's great, and then in five years everyone's getting hurt. It could it could absolutely happen. I mean, Bryson's a, a very 
special person because he has the drive knowledge and the body type to make it work. Sure. You know, so it, yeah. I don't know how that necessarily would translate down to your maybe, you know, once a week golfer who doesn't stay in total shape. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I do enough. think you're going to see, um, kind of like with baseball, right. You know, increased incidents of like UCL injuries and things you, you might start seeing more golf related injuries due to that attempt to get the swing speed and ball speed up higher. But right now people are, I mean, it just seems like it's working. And I haven't done that much, you know, research into that. Is he going both ways when he's doing those things or is it all unilateral for him? So I haven't take, done, taken the deep dive into his whole routine. Gotcha. But it would be very hard. Most of like, like with the TPI stuff, it's not unilateral. You, you go both directions so that your body doesn't become so dependent on that, you know, that one way torque. Gotcha. But there's definitely an emphasis for a right-handed golfer on that left rotation. Sure. Yeah. Michael, you have anything to add or just <laughs> would rather not? No, I think like he made a great point where in, especially in the fitness industry, stuff is always changing stuff. We learned 10, 15 years ago is a lot different now, or it's either completely changed. So what I always do with my staff is just to make sure that we're on top of it. Okay. What is it? Is this actually legit? Like, let's do research. Let's figure it out. Um, and then if not like, okay, let's not promote it too much. So especially like with the swing speeds, I would say like, let's start from a, from the beginning and then maybe work our way up to a certain point, not just getting after right away. Cause I think that's, what's going to happen is you're going to have everyone trying to do these different things just because it's the new trend. And then you're going to have all these injuries from it. And then we're going to have to backtrack and be like, you know what, this part was right, but maybe we should have gone full auto right away. Sounds good. I mean, do you guys have any anything else that we missed? I mean, we covered a lot of topics, but I think it was a, really a good conversation. It was a fun conversation from my my standpoint, at least. So, I think we hit all the topics I wanted to hit. What about you, Mike? Yeah, no, it sounded pretty good. I think the only thing that maybe I want to touch a little bit more on was um, just the fact of getting when people are getting started and thinking of doing either physical therapy, because I know more and more people we're going to see are going to come out of the word work with uh, COVID. I think we talked in the game that's coming down, but um, to actually, you're going to have a lot of people that got the, I, I know they call it the COVID-19, but the 15, 20 pounds, or um, just they got into that lifestyle from working from home that like to actually get up and move. Um, a lot of times you hear, I don't have the time to work out. Well, that's kind of one of the biggest lies I've ever heard, just because you can do stuff. You can either, if you're working from your computer, well, maybe get up every half hour, walk around the house, walk up the stairs, um, do a plank on a wall. So just actually, if you're trying to do something, because I think that's the trend we're going to see next is a lot of people are working from home and a lot of people think they can do everything from home and they're not going to be out and about as much because travel's limited and all this stuff. So even if you're not going to do it through us just to get out and actually move, even if it's small, and then also really focus on the nutrition aspect as well, because if you keep just kind of doing the door dashes and stuff like that, it's just going to get worse and worse. So just more promotion for even if it's not with us just to get out and actually do the small things. So we don't keep going in the wrong direction where all these different health things that could come are going to be negative from it. So. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good point. And um, you know, at least from my standpoint, it's like there's less and less excuses. Now I think, like you said, there's a lot of stuff on social media, but there's also more access to people like you guys. Um, and I think there's a lot of options too, right? You said, even if it's not with you, like find a way to move. Um, so I think that's a really good point. Trent, anything to expand on, on that at all? Um, no, I think he said it very, very well. Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks both of you for, um, all the time that you've given and, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, Michael, could you do me a favor and pitch uh, pretty much everywhere we can find you on social media or your website and then also your locations? 
kind of around Wisconsin and anything else that you would like uh, the listeners to know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so our locations are uh, Wauwatosa and Brookfield. So Mayfair Road and then Blue Mound Road in Brookfield. Um, you can find us on Instagram, um, FT Wauwatosa, FT Brookfield, and then on Facebook at uh, Fitness Together Wauwatosa, Fitness Together Brookfield. Um, we always are putting out workout Wednesdays and education, stuff like that. Um, but definitely come check us out or just feel free to reach out to us. Even if it's not being with us, just to answer questions you may have and we can put you in the right direction. Wonderful. And as always, you can find our information on freedompt.com and you can see Trenton in Brookfield if you would like to, or find his profile on our website. Um, if I didn't miss anything again, thanks so much for your time and thanks for coming on. You've been a great guest. This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, providing one-on-one comprehensive physical and occupational therapy services, including women's health, chronic pain treatment, TMJ, and more. With four locations in Fox Point, Grafton, Brookfield, and McGuanago, Wisconsin. More information at freedompt.com.